0: Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallet. It's not easy to directly test a theory of quantum gravity. You need to be able to probe the super tiny Planck scale where quantum gravitational effects appear. For that, you'd need a particle accelerator as big as the Milky Way. So what do you do? Look at it a different way. That's next. Quantum Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. In a small lab outside Palo Alto, Stanford University professor Monica schleier smith and her team are coming at quantum gravity from a different angle. Physicists have been suggesting for over a decade that gravity, and even space-time itself may emerge from a strange quantum connection called entanglement. Schleier Smith and her collaborators are reverse engineering the process. They’re engineering highly entangled quantum systems in a tabletop experiment. Schleier smith hopes to produce something that looks and acts like the warped space-time predicted by Albert Einstein's theory of general relativity. In a paper posted this summer, her team announced their first experimental step along this route. It's a system of atoms trapped by light, with connections made to order, finely controlled with magnetic fields. When tuned in the right way, the long distance correlations in this system describe a tree-like geometry. They're similar to one seen in simple models of emergent spacetime. Schleier smith and her colleagues hope to build on this work to create analogs to more complex geometries, including those of black holes. This could be the most promising route for putting the latest ideas about quantum gravity to the test. For five decades, the prevailing theory of particle physics, the Standard Model, has been a beacon of success to the endless frustration of particle physicists. The problem is the Standard Model, despite its success, is clearly incomplete. It doesn't include gravity, nor can it explain dark matter or dark energy, which account for 95% of all of the stuff in the universe. And the standard model itself dictates that beyond a certain threshold of high energy, one closely related to the Planck scale, it almost certainly fails. Physicists are desperate for puzzling experimental data that might help to guide them as they build the standard model's replacement. String theory is still the leading candidate to replace the standard model, but it's often been accused of being untestable. Still, one of the strangest features of string theory suggests a way to test some ideas about quantum gravity that don't require impractical feats. String theory is filled with dualities, relations between different physical systems that share the same mathematical structure. Perhaps the most surprising and consequential of these dualities is a connection between a type of quantum theory in four dimensions without gravity, known as a conformal field theory, or CFT, and a particular kind of five-dimensional space-time with gravity known as an anti-de-sitter, or ADS, space. This ADS-CFT correspondence, as it's known, was first discovered in 1997 by physicist Juan Maldacena, who's now at the Institute for Advanced Study. The CFT has one fewer dimension than the ADS space. So CFT can be thought of as lying on the surface of ADS, like the two-dimensional skin of a three-dimensional apple. But the quantum theory on the surface still fully captures all of the features of the volume inside. It's as if you could tell everything about the interior of an apple just by looking at its skin. This is an example of what physicists call holography. It's a lower dimensional space giving rise to a higher dimensional space, like a flat hologram producing a 3D image. In the ADS-CFT correspondence, the interior, or bulk, space emerges from relationships between the quantum components on the surface. Specifically, The geometry of the bulk space is built from entanglement, the spooky quantum connections that troubled Einstein. Neighboring regions of the bulk correspond to highly entangled portions of the surface. Distant regions of the bulk correspond to less entangled parts of the surface. If the surface has a simple and orderly set of entanglement relations, the corresponding bulk space will be empty. If the surface is chaotic, with all its parts entangled with all the others, the bulk will form a black hole. The ADS-CFT correspondence is a deep and fruitful insight into the connections between quantum physics and general relativity. But it doesn't actually describe the world we live in. Our universe isn't a five-dimensional anti Sitter space. It's an expanding four-dimensional space with a flat geometry. So over the past few years, researchers have proposed another approach. Rather than starting from the bulk, our own universe, and looking for the kind of quantum entanglement pattern that could produce it, we can go the other way. Perhaps experimenters could build systems with interesting entanglements and search for any analogs to space-time geometry and gravity that emerge. That's easier said than done. It's not yet possible to build a system like any of the strongly interacting quantum systems known to have gravitational duels. Theorists have only mapped out a small fraction of possible systems. Many others are too complex to study theoretically with existing mathematical tools. To see if any of those systems actually yield some kind of space-time geometry, the only option is to physically construct them in the lab and see if they also have a gravitational duel. Maldacena says the driving idea behind this is there might be other systems that have emergent gravity.
1: And that simply our theoretical tools are not good enough for us to realize that fact. And so these experimental constructions might help us discover such systems. There might be simpler systems than the ones we know about.
0: So quantum gravity theorists have turned to experts in building and controlling entanglement in quantum systems, like Schleyer-Smith and her team.
2: To me, there's something really just elegant about the theory of quantum mechanics that I've always loved, but I always sort of imagined, even in college when I was learning quantum mechanics and also, you know, taking math classes and things like that, there were things that I found theoretically elegant, but that I couldn't imagine being like the entirety of my career. Like, I sort of like this idea of also doing things that are a bit more hands on. What I love about this field of laser cooled atoms and atomic physics is that we have the ability to have very well controlled systems in the lab. If you go into the lab, you'll see there's cables all over the place and all kinds of electronics we had to build and vacuum systems and like messy looking hardware. But at the end of the day, you can make a system that is clean and controlled in such a way that it does nicely map onto this sort of elegant theory that you can write down on paper.
0: The messy elegance has been a hallmark of schleier smiths work since her graduate days at MIT, where she used light to coax collections of atoms into particular entangled states and demonstrated how to use these quantum systems to build more precise atomic clocks. After MIT, she spent a few years at the Max Planck Institute of Quantum Optics in Germany. She landed at Stanford in 2013. A couple of years later, Brian Swingle, a theoretical physicist then at Stanford working on string theory, quantum gravity, and other related subjects, reached out to her with an unusual question.
3: I wrote her an email you know, saying basically like, can you reverse time in your lab? And she said, yes. And so we started talking.
0: Swingle wanted to reverse time in order to study black holes and a quantum phenomenon known as scrambling. In quantum scrambling, information about a quantum system's state is rapidly dispersed across a larger system. That makes it very hard to recover the original information. Here's Swingle again.
3: Black holes are very good at scrambling information, so they hide information very well.
0: When an object is dropped into a black hole, information about that object is rapidly hidden from the rest of the universe. Understanding how black holes obscure information about the objects that fall into them has been a major focus of theoretical physics since the 1970s. Is that information merely hidden, or is it actually destroyed? In the ADS-CFT correspondence, a black hole in the bulk corresponds to a dense web of entanglement at the surface that scrambles incoming information very quickly. Swingle wanted to know what a fast scrambling quantum system would look like in the lab. He realized that in order to confirm scrambling was taking place as rapidly as possible, researchers would need to tightly control the quantum system in question. It needed the ability to perfectly reverse all interactions.
3: The sort of obvious way to do it required the ability to effectively fast forward and rewind the system. So kind of evolve it forward in time and also evolve it backward in time. So kind of, you know, fast forward the tape and rewind the tape. And that's not something you can do in an everyday kind of experiment.
0: But Swingle knew Schleier smiths lab might be able to control the entanglement between atoms carefully enough to perfectly reverse all their interactions, as if time were running backward.
3: If you have this nice, isolated, well-controlled, highly engineered quantum so minibody body system, then maybe you have a chance. And in fact, people have been doing this kind of experiment in the context of nuclear spins for a long time, like nuclear magnetic resonance, spin echo, which goes back to the 50s. This is like a baby version of what we were after.
0: So Swingle reached out to Schleier smith and told her what he wanted to do. So he explained to me this
2: conjecture that this process of scrambling, that there's a fundamental speed limit to how fast it can happen, and that if you could build a quantum system in the lab that scrambles at this fundamental speed limit, then maybe that would be some kind of an analog of a black hole.
0: Their conversations continued, and in 2016, Swingle and Schleyer-Smith co-authored a paper along with Patrick Hayden, another theorist at Stanford, and Gregory Benson, one of Schleyer-Smith's graduate students at the time. The paper outlined a feasible method for creating and probing fast quantum scrambling in the lab. That work left Schleyer-Smith contemplating other quantum gravitational questions that her lab could investigate.
2: That made me think, oh, actually, maybe these cavity QED systems, these systems where atoms are strongly coupled to photons and can interact in a way that's mediated by photons, maybe these are actually good platforms for being able to realize some toy models of quantum gravity that you know, are hard to realize by other means.
0: Schleyer-Smith started to consider a setup where pairs of atoms would be entangled together, and then each pair would itself be entangled with another pair, and so on forming a kind of tree.
2: So I started thinking about toy models where you have, let's say, some chain of sites and there are interactions at distances that are powers of two. And the powers of two, the idea was, well, roughly speaking, I can kind of think of it as if I have interactions at distances that are powers of two and I want to know sort of, even just in sort of a classical sense, how long would it take for information to get from one node to another? If I sort of write down the site numbers in binary, I could look at how many bits I need to flip to sort of convert one site number to the other. And that only goes logarithmically in the size of the system. Sort of the longest distance only goes logarithmically in the system size. So that was the idea that maybe like if you can make these, and there was sort of reason to believe maybe this is something we could do in the lab. So I have to say at the time it seemed like kind of far-fetched to actually do it. But at least I could sort of imagine on paper how you would design a system where you could do that.
0: But Schleier smith wasn't sure if this actually corresponded to any known model of quantum gravity.
2: So my students and I kind of chatted about this idea, and one of my students, Greg Benson, had actually, as a first-year graduate student, spent some time doing theory, and then I sort of convinced him to do experiments, but he maintained an interest in theory as well, and liked to sort of, you know, chat with theorists around the department. And he was wondering whether there might be a way to get at sort of a deeper, theoretical understanding of this classic model that I had sort of dreamed up out of my intuition. And he asked Sean Hartnell, who's a theorist in our department at Stanford, and one day Sean was giving a colloquium at Princeton and started chatting with Steve Gubser, who was a theorist there. And Steve was telling him about models he thinks about that Sean realized sounded a lot like this power of two thing we'd been thinking about.
0: At the time, Gubser was working on a twist on the ADS-CFT correspondence. And
2: specifically, Steve had been thinking about models of gravity that are discrete instead of continuous, so kind of this question of we think of space-time as continuous, but at the same time, quantum mechanics and the existence of the Planck length kind of indicate that maybe really fundamentally space-time should have some discrete nature. And so Steve had invented a theory known as piadic ADS CFT, where essentially sort of a hyperbolic space where the curvature comes about from gravity, that is represented and it's modeled by a tree graph, actually.
0: Rather than using the familiar kind of numbers that physicists generally use, he was using a set of alternative number systems known as the p adic numbers. The key distinction between the P-addicts and ordinary real numbers is the way the size of a number is defined. In the P-addicts, a number's size is determined by its prime factors. There's a p-adic number system for each prime number the two addicts, the three addicts, the five addicts, and so on. In each p-addict number system, the more factors of p a number has, the smaller that number is. Each p-addict number system can also be represented as kind of a tree, with each branch containing numbers that all have the same number of factors of p. Using the P-addicts, Gubser and others discovered a remarkable fact about the ADS-CFT correspondence. If you rewrite the surface theory using the p adic numbers rather than the reals, the bulk is replaced with a kind of infinite tree. It's a tree with infinite branches packed into a finite space, resembling the structure of the p adic numbers themselves. Gupser called the P-addicts naturally holographic. Hartnell says the structure of the P-addict numbers reminded him of the way Schleier smiths atoms interacted with each other. So Hartnell connected the two scientists. Gupser co-authored a paper in 2019 with schleier smith Benson, and others In the paper, the team described how to get something resembling the pea attic tree to emerge from entangled atoms in an actual lab. With the plan in hand, Schleyer-Smith and her team got to work. In Schleyer-Smith's lab at Stanford, there's a vacuum chamber in the middle of the room. It's surrounded by a dense forest of mirrors, lenses, and fiber optic cables. In the vacuum chamber, 18 tiny collections of rubidium atoms, about 10,000 to a group, are arranged in a line and cooled to phenomenally low temperatures, a fraction of a degree above absolute zero. A specially-tuned laser and a magnetic field that increases from one end of the chamber to the other allow the experimenters to choose which groups of atoms become correlated with each other. Using this lab setup, Schleyer-Smith and a research group were able to get the two groups of atoms at the ends of the line just as correlated as neighboring groups were in the middle of the line. This connected the ends and turned the line into a circle of correlations. They then coaxed the collections of atoms into a tree-like structure. All of this was accomplished without moving the atoms at all. The correlation geometry was wholly disconnected from the actual spatial geometry of the atoms. The tree structure formed by the interacting atoms in schleyer lab isn't a full-blown realization of p-adic ADS-CFT. Here's Patrick Hayden's stake.
1: So it's a first step towards holography in the laboratory.
0: Maldacena, the originator of the ADS-CFT correspondence, says he's very excited about the finding.
1: You know, our subject has been always very theoretical, and so this contact with experiment will probably raise more questions. I mean, usually in physics, you make more progress when there is some experiment and there's a dialogue between experimentalists and theorists, and there are new questions that will be raised by the experiments. By just attempting to do the experiment, there will be new questions, and this paper contains some of these new questions, and that will be interesting to, to explore further.
0: Hayden sees this as the way of the future.
1: And there's some hope still that we can get direct access to the quantum gravitational features of our universe via cosmology, but it, it's hard, right? But just by studying you know, the mathematical structure of quantized gravity, there are very, very strong indications from these examples that we understand that gravity is this emergent phenomenon from strongly interacting many-body physics. And so you could say, well, okay, why don't instead of trying to understand the emergence of space-time in our universe, let's actually just make toy universes in the lab and study the emergence of space-time there. And that sounds like a crazy thing to do, kind of mad scientist kind of crazy, right? But I think it really is likely to be easier to do that than to directly test quantum gravity.
0: schleier smith is also optimistic about the future. I would
2: say we're still at the stage of getting more and more control, characterizing the quantum states that we have. But in some sense also, I would love to get to that point where we don't know what will happen. Maybe we have some intuition, but we actually have to go out and measure. And maybe we measure the correlations in the system and we learn that there's a geometric description, some holographic description that we didn't know was there. We're not there yet. We started with a toy model where we thought we knew what should happen. But part of the vision is that maybe you can go beyond that.
0: Matt Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Adam Becker's full article, One Lab's Quest to Build Space-Time Out of Quantum Particles, on our website, Quantamagazine.org. Explore more math mysteries in the Quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press. Available now at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quantum Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast.